theyeshiva.net. We're going to start a new Mimer today. Please turn to page 31 in the Kutetayra. No, it's going to say on the top tzav. Tazayan column two, Hayom Rav Ayonis Chuli. On top it says Tzav, Daf Tazayan Omud Base, column two, Hayom Rav Ayonis. See Parshas Tzav, Daf Tezayin, Column Two, Page Thirty-One. Make sure you're in Parshas Tzav because the number Tezayin it repeats itself a few times. This is this Maimer was said by the Baal Atanya, by the Alter Rebbe in the year Tovkuf Ayin Aleph, which would be Pesach eighteen eleven, and it begins with the Psukim of Halal, that of course we recite on the days of the eight days of Pesach. And of course, also during the Seder, when we say Halal, in the middle of the Seder. It's from the second paragraph, the second chapter of Halal, B'tzei Sisoma Mitzrayim, where David HaMelech says, B'tzei Sisoma Mitzrayim, B'shakov Ma'amloyez, Ha'isu Yehudu L'Kotri Yisoma Amshaloysov, Hayom Rav Ayonos, Hayarden Yisav L'Ocher, Ha'horim Noktu Cha'elim, Gevoyez Kivinayt Soim. Literally, Hayomra, the sea saw and it fled. The sea saw Hayomra and it fled. Hayomra Vayonis. Hayarden Yisav Lacha. The Jordan moved backward. Haharim, the mountains, Roktu Cha'elim. They danced, they leaped like rams. Like Elim, Baranen, rams. Gvoyes Kivnait Soin. Mounds danced and leaped like Pnait Soin, like young sheep. So the Pasuk continues, What are you running away, my dear Yam? Where are you going, Jordan? Why are you leaping like rams, mountains, and mounds like young sheep? And they answer, in the presence of the master who shakes up the earth, in the presence of the master of Yaakov, he transforms the rock into water, the chalamish, the flintstone, into a wellspring. That's the end of the tar- chapter. At first glance, it's a lot of interesting militias here, poetic expressions. But we have to understand a little deeper what's the Havana of these words. When it comes to the mountains, he says the mountains danced. When it comes to the sea, the yam, he says the yam saw and it fled. Vayanis, it ran away. What's the diuk? That the mountains were dancing and the waters of the sea fled. They escaped. They ran away. The Shalah, Rabbeinu Yeshaya Horowitz, who wrote a sefer called Shalosh Neiluchis Abris. And he has a section called Mesech the Psachim. Mesech the Psachim is not a commentary on Psachim. The Shalos Sefer, he has a section called Mesech the Psachim, which is the section of Shalos that deals with Pesach. It's called, it's called his own Mesech the Psachim. 
Shalom, his Masech the Pesachim he asks this question, and he explains as follows. Nisa hu avoidem miyira. Rikud is avoidem meava. Nisa running, antloifen, vayonos, to run away, represents serving Hashem with awe, with reverence. Rikud, dancing, represents serving with love. And we understand the difference. When somebody runs, you run out of fear, out of awe. You want to run away. You don't want to be here. Dancing, you're not running away. On the contrary, dancing is an expression of joy, of simcha. Uh, so the Shalos says there's two types of Avaidah Sashem. There's the Avaidah of Yireh, where there's Nisa, you run. And there's the Avaidah of Ava, of love, where there's Rikida, where there's dancing. And the Shalos says, Vobchinesarubchines Evet. This is the difference between the Sar and the Evet. The king has two types of people working with him, for him. One is a Sar, a Sar would be the minister, and the Evet would be the servant. The Sar feels a closeness to the king. Chavalap, we're colleagues, we're friends, there's a camaraderie. And there is loyalty that comes from love, from affection. We understand each other, we relate to each other, we connect to each other. The Evet doesn't feel that he's a friend of the king, he's a colleague of the king. The Evet feels like a servant of the king. He's surrendered to the king. He's loyal. He's dedicated to the king. He has a sense of roimimus, yiras roimimus, an awe of aloofness, the awe of sublimity in the presence of the king. That's the Tsar, represents a close relationship. We're like friends. We talk about things. These are the king's close entourage, you know, his colleagues. And then you have the Evet. The Evet is the servant. His avoid, his relationship is one of year, of awe, of reverence. It's a different type of relationship. Vihine, Shalak explains, What's the difference? When the king is revealed, The sar, the minister, that is avoided usually is with simcha, with a sense of satisfaction and joy. His joy will only go, go will only grow. When the king is revealed, when there's a graciousness that's exposed, that's manifested, he feels so much closer, and therefore the simcha grows. V'zeo ha'harim, and that's pshat ha'harim raktu ch'elim, that by the time, by the, during Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the mountains started to dance. The mountains, which represents the sar, which is avoidem me'ava. So now when the melech is revealed, the feeling of closeness is so much more. It's like the melech, demonstrates an even deeper closeness, so the Tsar starts dancing. So he says, V'zeo ha'harim, these are the mount, Shehem midois da'atzilus, as he will soon explain in the Maimah, which represent the midois of the world, which we call the world of atzilus. Shemisham shoyresh ha'neshamas ha'nekroyim achim lamakim. And that's the source of the souls who are called achim lamakim, brothers of Hashem. Laman achai v'reyai adabrin ha'shalom bach, for my brothers and friends, there's the neshamas that are called brothers, lamakim, kesar lefnei ha-melech. These souls are like the minister in front of the king of Lachain Raktu. So the mountains started to dance with Yitzhiyus Mitzrayim. Obchines Eved, what about the Eved? Shavadosi b'yiri, his avayda is with awe. Azay b'izgalus ha-melech. Tipolaim of ha-pachad b'yoyser. Now when the melech is revealed, on the contrary, the awe and the dread and the fear is increased. The yam, which represents those souls that are not achim lamakim, they're not brothers, they're avodim, they're servants. What does the yam do when there's a gili of the melech? The yam runs away.
So it depends what your MO is. Is your avoid out of Ava, your avoid out of Yira? The one whose relationship with the king is one of a sense of closeness. When the king reveals himself, the closeness is so much more. There's so much more grace. There's so much more a feeling of simcha, of satisfaction. He starts dancing. The mountain on a good day is a mountain. But now, he's jumping and dancing from simcha. Then you have the one whose avoider is primarily one of yira. There's a sense of awe, of reverence. Now when the melech reveals himself, there's so much more. Now he runs away much more. The melech comes out, he runs. Hayom rav that's the yam. Two types of neshamas. There's neshamas that are called brothers, and neshamas that are called avodim. There's neshamas that are pchines of yira, neshamas of avod, that's harim and yam. So the shalosh says, here it says raktu, and here it says yonis. Two separate avodas Hashem. That's a summation of the message of the Shalom in his commentary in Pesach. And here the Tzemach Tzedek has a parenthesis, Kedarke Bekoidosh, he has all the references wherever you have in Kabbalah, the discussion, or in Medrash, the discussion of these two Pchines of the Sar and the Eved, Va'ayin Mashakosov, he goes through Maimarim and sources. A few lines later, you have a, the Maimah continues, Lahavin Zevetaisvus Beer. To understand this with more explanation, what does this mean? For this, you have to, we have to explain the concept of Shvi Shal Pesach when actually the Yam split. When was the Yam Rav Ayanis? The sea saw and it fled. It's referring to the splitting of the sea. The splitting of the sea, the waters, so to speak, fled in the sense that they separated, they parted ways, and they congealed like walls, so the Jews could pass through. That happened on the seventh day of Pesach. Before B'priyetzchayim, the Arizal in B'priyetzchayim explains, Shehu gamkin inyin leidas haneshamas. Kriyas Yamsuf is not only the splitting of the sea. Kriyas Yamsuf represents a certain reality, and that is, it's the splitting of the cosmic womb that holds the souls pregnant, and Shvi Yishal Pesach is the time that all souls are born. They emerge. Just like literally Kriyas Yamsuf means the sea split and what was inside emerged and they could walk in dry land. As we're going to see, the Yam also represents the womb that contains souls in it. And Kriyas Yamsuf is like the splitting of the cosmic womb of the mother. And the neshamas come out, the neshamas emerge. So Priyat Chaim says, the time of the year that souls are born, neshamas are born, all neshamas, their laid is Shri Yishal Pesach. V'zeu shekasavu b'nei Yisrael holchavaya b'asha b'soychaya. That's pshat. The Jewish people walked in dry land b'soychaya. It means literally, and metaphysically, and Teres HaNistu, the Arizal says in Priyat Chaim, it means laid as neshamas. The neshamas emerge from b'soychaya, into Yabosh. What does this mean? Inyan, the explanation in all of this is... Ki neshamas Yisrael olu b'machshava. The Medrash Rabbah says, in the beginning of Mereshis, Yisrael olu b'machshava. Meaning, literally, the Jewish people ascended in thought. So he says here, neshamas Yisrael ascended in whose machshava? Hashem's machshava. In that space, all souls are called brothers and friends of HaKadosh Baruch. Why? What's Pshat? What is the meaning, brothers and friends? 
Kikutsha Brichu, who pchinis oirein saif baruchu, kshemalubash bemidis datsilas. When you see the term Kutsha Brichu, Kadesh Baruchu, it's referring to the oir, the light, the energy of the infinite, of the infinite one, blessed be he. When it's enclosed, when the light is enclosed in midos of Atsilas, in the attributes of the world of Atsilas, he's called Kutsha Brichu. The Ein Soiv, the infinite one, blessed be he, on his own, in his essence, the Zoyar says, does not consist of any Midas. He's not comprised, he's not made up of Midas, of characteristics, of attributes, of emotions. Midas, of course, comes from the word Mida, which means a measurement. Why? Because as hard as it is to think this way, Emotions can be measured. Characteristics can be measured. Maybe not with a measuring stick, that's not going to work. But they can be measured in the sense they have a definition, they have a description. The intensity could be measured, yes. Its evolution could be measured. Could, could be measured. Its expression could be measured. The MRI imaging now they look at the parts of the exactly, brain. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In MRI imaging, they look at the parts of the brain responsible, the regions of the brain responsible for various emotions. So this is an element of media. Even if it's in our mind, it will be an explosive emotion, <coughs> a very powerful emotion, but it's still called a media. There's a measurement. On Atzmus, on the essence of Hashem, there's no name. We can't call it any name. That's why we say, Lav me kol inun midas Only on the way He reveals Himself. Over there you can give different names. Vaaz nikra havaya. Then He has the first name. The first name is Yudke Vavke, called Shem Havaya. Instead of saying Yudke Vavke, He says Shem Havaya. What's Havaya? Yud represents Chachma. He represents Bina. But the fact that we could say Shemois names is already not the essence. This is the Hisgalos. It's his revelation. And revelation is the way you're revealed to others. Others may not yet mean others, the worlds, but others means you are defining yourself in a way that you could be experienced, you could be articulated. That itself, the Hisgalos itself, could come in infinite gradations. But over there you could start talking about a name, including the name of Yudke Vavke. Vihine. Samach Ribu Nishamas Yisrael, the 600,000 Jewish souls, Samach Reish is Samach Ribu. Ribu is 10,000, myriad. Samach Ribu is 60 times 10,000, which of course is 600,000 Jewish souls. Shenim Shachim is Samach Ribu, Oisi Samach Shavim. They come from 600,000 letters of thought. He said, Nishamas Yisrael, Olaba Machshava. Each Nishama is a thought. We think in letters. All of us think in letters. We don't realize, but there's a language in which you think in. Just like when you speak, you speak in a language. You speak English, you speak Yiddish, you speak Hebrew, you speak Russian, you speak French. When you think, you also think in a language. There's no thinking without a language. Right? People don't realize, but if you think about your thoughts, you'll see you're always thinking in a language. So, machshav is already associated with oisius, with letters. Just like I can't speak without letters, I need A, B, C, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet. I can't think without letters. The letters are less tangible, but they're letters nonetheless. So there are 600,000 letters of thought from which each neshama comes from, because it's all over Each neshama is, so to speak, a letter. 
Nikrayim, these souls are called Achim Lekutshabrichu. They're brothers of Kutshabrichu. Why? What did we say is Kutshabrichu? You remember? Not Atzmos. Kutshabrichu is already a name. HaKadosh Baruchu. It's the way Eirin Saif is enclosed in the Midas of Atzilus. It's the Hizgalos of it. So therefore the Neshamas, which are rooted in Oisus HaMachshava, are called Achim, brothers of Hashem, Kutshabrichu, Shehem HaMidus. Take an example of Machsheves Seichel. What's Machsheves Seichel? Thinking about an idea. The letters are like, they're not one, but they're like Etzem Echot. They're like one essence with the essence of Seichel in the thought. The same is true. The thoughts of emotions with emotions to the point that most people don't even know how to distinguish between the two. How do you distinguish between the idea and the thoughts of the idea? How do you distinguish between the emotion and the thoughts of the emotion? They come packaged together, but it's still a package. It's called Ach, brothers. It's very hard for us to distinguish between the Seichel itself and the thoughts of the Seichel. Because how do I experience Seichel without Machshavah? Right, and sometimes machshava also, but it's harder to. Yeah, yeah. You hear what he's saying? Sometimes there's a damage in the brain. What's damaged? Not the ability to formulate ideas or to understand ideas, but the ability to formulate ideas within letters, within words. Because we cannot experience an idea without thought, without machshava. Just like you can't experience my ideas if I don't talk. If I'm thinking them inside, you don't know. You can't experience my emotions without conversation. I mean, you can experience, I guess, facial features and and certain gestures and body language. But generally speaking, to understand what somebody else is going through, they have to talk. They have to express themselves. What you need to understand what you're going through is you have to think. So, but, but thought of that seichel is not seichel. Seichel is the idea itself. Midas is the emotion itself. And then there's how I process it through letters and through words. I'm explaining the idea to myself and then I'm explaining the idea to somebody else. The difference, of course, is when you're explaining it to somebody else, you need lots and lots of words. And sometimes you know what you think in two seconds. If you have to say it, how long does it take? It could take two hours. Right? We know you have a daydream, you have a thought. In five seconds, talk about it, you could talk for half an hour, you could talk about 45 minutes. The Isis are very, very subtle, are very, very uh, compressed in the sense that they have a lot of them inside, but it's still Isis. It's similar to Dibur. So he says that the Isis are like one etzem with the Mohus HaSeichel. They're not the same, but they're like one core with the Mohus HaSeichel. And the Machshev is Hamidus Im Hamidus. And it's important to be able also to distinguish between the two. Your thoughts of emotions are not the emotion, and your thoughts of the seichel are not the seichel, even though they're so closely connected, and that's our only access to them. I cannot access an idea without thinking about the idea. And I cannot access my emotion to myself without thinking about my emotion. In other words, call midos or seichel like a picture, like literally a photograph, and then you take it and you analyze it through Isis. But the photograph is not yet the Isis. The image is not that the Isis.
there's a book about children who have special needs seeing in pictures, right? The whole world is pictures, basically. Seeing in pictures. We, many of us, are blessed with the skill that we could talk about the picture. We could explain the picture to ourselves. We could talk about the picture. We can explain to others the picture. For others, there's only a picture. That's what it is. And when the picture is not enclosed in letters, it's a much more powerful picture. Because it's not diluted or compromised through Isis. So therefore, Isis machshava with Seichel and Midas, it's not the same thing, but it's like an Etzem, because they're, all, they're so integrated, they're so deeply connected. In that state, the soul, which is Allah machshava, is Mamish godliness. So Kutshabrichu represents the Midas. What's the Neshama? The Neshama represents the Oisius HaMachshava of the Midas. So they're called Achim Lamakim. The Neshama is called Achim Lekutshabrichu because your thoughts and your Midas are brothers. They're so deeply connected, they're like Etzem Echad. They're not the same, they're brothers. They work together. Oh, in that space, the Neshama is HaMamash HaLakos. Ki Ba'atzilas, in Atzilas it says in Zoyar, Ihu, He, Vechayoyi, his lights, his oiris, vigarmoi, and his kalim, chad, are one. So therefore, he and his lights, which represents the midos, and the garmoi are the kalim, which represents the oisius, the machshava, that's the kalim, through which you express the seichel and the midos, are considered chad. In that state, the neshamas are alakus mamash. So what's the definition of a soul in this Maimer? What's the Balatanya's definition here of an Ashama? What is a soul? Huh? Okay, but a, a little more specifically. It's basically, yeah, it's, it's a little hard to grasp, but it's basically what he's saying is, it's God in communication with himself. The, le- the soul is basically, yeah, it's God communicating to Himself. It's the Oisius Hamachshava that are one with the Midas. So you have three Inyanim. You have what He says, that which is beyond Kuchabrichu, Atzmos. Lav Mikol Inayn Midas Iuklav. There's no name, there's no description, there's no Mida. There's not Shaykh even to say a name for it. That's His essence. Where do we start talking about names? or even HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's only his Galusai, the way he was revealed. What does it mean the way he is revealed? The way he allows the Ein Soif to be articulated in a particular fashion, that it could be relatable. That's called his Galus. Whenever you talk about anything in the world, there's the Etzem of it and the Hisgalus of it. The Etzem of it is what it is vis-a-vis itself. The Hisgalus of it is what it is vis-a-vis somebody else who sees it. That's called his galus. It's revelation. By definition, that which is revealed is already not the essence. That which is revealed is that which is relatable to the one who's going to experience it. And I can't experience the essence for what it is because I experience you based on me, not based on you. How do I experience you? I experience you through my tools. So therefore, I process you through me. So therefore, your hisgalos, by definition, is more about me than it's about you. 
In relationships, this is key. Whenever we speak about relationships, we don't speak about the etzim. We only speak about his galus. It's how I experience you, which is one of the great sources of contention in a relationship. I mean, this is how I would make it very practical. You see this constantly when it comes, for example, to shalom bias issues. I didn't want to go there, but I don't have a better metaphor. So I'm going to go there. Somehow husbands and wives just bring out the best of all Mishalim when you want to talk about relationship challenges, right? God sense of humor. He could have kept the, kept the Bachim in a yeshiva dormitory and the girls in a girl's dormitory and everybody would live happily ever after and the therapist would be out of business. He decided, Abba ve'ima, Adam and Chava have to work together and figure it out. Okay? That's part of the drama of creation. So now let's think about it. Constantly, when there is the communication, very, very deep down, what the husband experiences of his wife may be completely different than what she is, what she is actually feeling, what she is actually experiencing. And conversely, what she's experiencing of him may be completely different than who he really is and what he's really feeling. And it's not a question only of communication, that too. But it's a real question of experience. Because basically what I know of you is only limited what I know of myself. I can't get you not through me. I can't get you. How do I get you? It's I get you. So I'm coming with me. Everybody comes with their own presence. That's how we experience the world. So by definition, all of our experiences are filtered through the filter of our psyche, our brain, our personality, our soul, and naturally our experiences. And therefore, if it doesn't fit into that, I will make it fit in. Or I'll push it away, or I have to run. Or I make it fit, or I distort it a little bit. But it's only what I process. And humility is the beginning of the process where actually you could distinguish between the Atmos and the Hisgalos. But now understand, this is not only if there's a distortion, even in a deeper level where there's no distortion, the Hisgalos is already not the Atmos. Hisgalos is what allows ultimately for a distortion. Because what is Hisgalos? Hisgalos basically means that there is the essence in terms of essence, and then there is that the essence chooses to allow itself to be experienced by something outside of it. But for this... The atzmos has to become malubish. What do we mean malubish? Malubish means it allows itself to be defined through different mediums, through different experiences. What does it mean in terms of Hashem? In terms of Hashem is, a person relates to Hashem in terms of some energy that speaks to him. That's how he relates to him. That's not the atzmos, that's the hisgalos. Where does this hisgalos begin? In the world of Atzillus. The world of Atzillus is already a world of structure. There's Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gur. That's where he's called HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's where there's Yud, and there's Hey, and there's Vav, and there's Hey. What is a Neshama? A Neshama is like the letters of thought that allow you to experience your hisgalos. They allow you to experience your Seichel. They allow you to experience your Midas. They're still inside of you. What would a person be like if there was no skill of thought? What would happen? The seichel and the midas would be there. The raw emotion would be there, and the raw idea would be there. But I wouldn't be able to become aware of it, because I wouldn't have the tools to be able to process it, because I wouldn't have the oisis amachshava. So now, when we speak about neshamas yisrael, olu b'machshava, they're called achem lamakam. What are they? 
They're brothers to Hashem. What, what does he say? They're brothers because the Oisus Hamachshava's relationship with the Midas and the Seichu is Ke'etzemechad. They come together. They're packaged together. They're completely united. Like Machshava Seichu, where the Oisus are like one Etzem with the Seichu, or Machshava Hamidus with the Midas. So what is the Neshama then? The Neshama is basically absolute, pure, divine energy. The way the divine communicates to the divine. It's the Oisius that capture the Seichel and the Midas. That's a Neshama. So what is a Neshama? A Neshama is like God speaking to Himself, so to speak. That's the soul. We look at a soul and we're saying, I have a soul, you have a soul. So, you have to, so what is your eye on its deepest level? What is your eye on its deepest level? If you take your eye, your neshama, and you trace it back to its core, the way it is, achim lamakim, what is it? It's basically, he says, elakus mamish, it's divine, and specifically what is it? It's the oisius hamachshava, neshama is Israel, all of machshava that are completely one with the seichel and the midas, and it's indistinguishable. I and neshama l'cha'ayra, ultimately is going to become the source of life that's going to go into the person. But in its source, what is a neshama? A neshama is the oisius that facilitate the gilui of seichel and midos of elikos and elamatzalus. That's the definition of a neshama here. For the neshama to assume an identity called yesh, meaning it becomes something. Li is p'chines nivra. The neshama ultimately becomes a nivra. It becomes something that we call created. Ata barasa lekai neshama shenasatabi tahoirehi. Ata barasa. The neshama assumes nivra. It's nifred. It's something separate. It's not God. Shubchines nifred me'ayin mamish. The neshama becomes a yesh. Where it becomes nifred, it becomes separated. Me'ayin mamish. This is called yesh me'ayin. What do we mean ayin? Ayin doesn't mean it didn't exist. Ayin means you can't compare its state of existence in the state of ayin to its state of existence in the state of yesh. It's like from nothing. Because when the neshama is in a state of atzilus, it's mamish divine. Really, even when we say the neshamas are letters of thought, it's only to satisfy the ear. It's only because in a mushal, that's the closest we can get. So we say, the neshama is Eishas HaMachshavah. Even that mushal is inaccurate. As the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, my thoughts are not your thoughts, which he's explaining here to mean that even the mushal of Eishas HaMachshavah, don't think it's like your machshav. It's even a deeper dveikus. It's even a deeper relationship. What allows the neshama now to go through this metamorphosis and from absolute divine energy, inseparable from Hashem himself, from his midas, to become something separate, to become a nivra. He says, Hu midas malchus This happens through the attribute of his malchus. Shehi hanikra levush. Malchus is called a cloak, a garment. To conceal and block. Until the neshama can assume an identity, which we call a yesh, a being, a faran and kait in Yiddish. It's faran, it is. In its source, you don't say it is. It's a state of ayin, meaning it's a lakos, it's part of the divine. O Shekas of the Pasuk says, Ki Hashem Malach Geus Lavish. We say it in the Shir Shalyayim of Friday from Tehillim. Hashem Malach, Hashem is a king. Geus Lavish. He clothes himself in Geus. What's Geus? Majesty. In majesty. 
Why does it mean he closes himself in majesty? Kimidas ha-maluche hi alavush. Geus is a lavush. Maluche is a lavush. Midas ha-maluche is a garment. Ha-goyrim liyas He dresses himself up in a garment called malchus, which causes there to be the creation of yesh. Why does malchus do that? Ki ein melech beloyam. You can't be a king without a nation. What does it mean you can't be a king without a nation? Vahainu nifradim dafka. The Am must be separate people. Sha'aleyem yitochen ha On separate beings you can be a king. Liyos p'pchines isnasos ha'leyem. You could be exalted over them. Vahim yiyu be'em and they will be in awe in the presence of the king. Sha'arei almeya banim lo yikari ha'av melech. A father may have a hundred children. He may have a tribe that numbers in the hundreds and in the thousands. You can't call him a melech. You could say tata, you could say father, you can't say melech. Why? Because ein melech beloy am. To be a melech, you need a nation. And a nation are people that by definition, they're detached from the king. They're separate, they're nifrit. A child is brakaradavua. A child is part of a father. It's like the limbs of your body. Literally, the child comes from the father. He comes from the, from the seed of the father, from the egg of the mother. Therefore, the concept of malchus, the real concept of malchus doesn't exist with the father. The father may try, but the concept of malchus, a real melech, doesn't exist. There's a quality of a relationship that is only somebody who's separate and then accepts and goes into this relationship. And the child doesn't have it. The child is l'chatchil, it's one thing. It's not the concept of malucha. There's a natural, organic, holistic relationship. So therefore, to be a melech, midas ha requires there to be otherness, to be a relationship with somebody outside of me. My relationship with my child is essentially a relationship with myself, which is why it's challenging to have a good relationship with your child, because it's challenging to have a good relationship with yourself. Children bring out very deep things in you, because they're part of you. If you want to know who you are, look at your children. If you want to know who you really are, ask your children about their opinion of you. (laughs) If you want to know what's happening deep, deep inside of you, look at your children. They're essentially one thing with a father and mother. It's inseparable. That's the power of the relationship, but it's not the relationship of Malchus. The relationship of Malchus is a relationship of choice. It's the thrill and the deep connection that happens when somebody who's outside of you chooses to accept you as their leader, as their mentor, as their teacher, as their guide, whatever the form of Malchus is. And without the Am, I could never have that. You can't be a Melech without the people. Ah, you have a hundred children, and the children will do whatever you say. You're not going to be a Melech. There's two things that are needed to be a Melech. Number one, it has to be from somebody outside of you. And number two, the one outside of you has to choose it. You can't force it on them. If you force it on them, it's again not the person outside of you. You imposed it on them. A dictator is not a Melech. A dictator is called a Moshe. A melech is malchus So it's a paradox. It's somebody who's not you, and somebody who is not you submits and chooses that relationship, and that elevates the person into a state of malucha. And it's a thrill that can't be substituted by any other experience. And it only ha- could happen 
somebody who's outside of you, the Am. It's not an internalized experience. You can't experience Malucha within yourself. It's similar to the concept of marriage. All the Midas, all the, you, you, I could do a lot of things myself. There's one thing you can't do by yourself. It's called be married. You can't be married to yourself. I mean, you could, but it's not called marriage. I know the Supreme Court may alter that. But uh, at least according to the present uh, vocabulary, you can't be married to yourself. Why not? Why not? You have a split personality. Why can't you get married to yourself? Why not? Most people are good sugar. Get a tax discount. The answer is because the definition of marriage is what happens to you as a result of a relationship with somebody outside of you. And Eid Mekachin Asisha Elamidaita. Other middas could be within yourself. You could love within yourself. You could sit on a mountain and write the most beautiful poetry about love. In fact, it'll be usually much more loving than if you actually are with people. <laughs> As you know, people who are lovers, they sit on mountains and they love. They love the world, they love humanity. And then when you come down from the mountain, it's not so partial. All the middas you can experience within yourself. One thing you can't. Malchus. Malchus, you need somebody who's actually outside of you. Because it's the relationship that happens as a result of the impact that the one outside of you has on you. If it's inside of you, it's not the concept of malucha. So malucha necessitates the concept of, uh, of period. And this is true in every area of life. I'm going to give a simple example. Take, for example, an author. Huh? That's why we call him melech. That's the beauty of melech. Melech means that for life to happen the way it's supposed to happen, the essential part of the relationship is that we have to remain human and not godly. That's the most important component of the relationship. <laughs> and this is a really a revolutionary idea because we're always taught that the definition of this is very important. We're always taught, I'm going to talk now about the system that you love. We, we're always taught that the definition of a relationship with God means that you become not human. You become davuk to the body, that you transcend your humanness, right? And the more you can transcend your humanness, the more close to the Rabbi Nishalaylam you are. Whatever that means to transcend human, transcend your middis, to transcend your personality, to, to become holy, to become ruchni, and so forth. And that's one dimension. But the truth is, equally intrinsic to the relationship is the fact that you have to be ungodly. That God wanted a relationship with somebody who is not godly. He wanted a relationship with, with a human being. That's more important to Yiddishkeit than anything else. Va'anshe kaidish tiyunli, as the Kotzke Rebbe said. Va'anshe kaidish. The component of humanness. In other words, the fact that you're not me. What's the most important thing in a marriage? That your wife is you? No. Then you're married to yourself. That's what happens to a lot of people. Masechta Gitten has to come before Masechta Kedushin. You first have to divorce yourself in order to get married. If I'm married to myself, I can't be married. So the most important quality in a relationship is that it's not me. It's you. It's not me. The problem with Hash, the problem, not the problem, the challenge is Einoid Movadai. There's nothing outside of him. So Malucha was that revolutionary notion that I have to create something that is experiencing itself as other, as outside. And the integrity of the relationship depends on that. And for this, the Rebbeinu Shlomo has to get dressed. He has to put on the levush of Malchus to be able to become a Melech, which is Ein Melech Beloya. 
So here you have the paradox of a soul. A soul is really a very, very... Why, why are we so complicated? Especially Jews. You know why? So you have here one of the deepest definitions. We're complicated because who are we? On one level, the neshama is ayin. The neshama is mamash alakus. And on another level, the neshama becomes a yesh. The neshama becomes a nivra. Because it goes through the process of malchus. And it's in that paradox of the soul that the human identity lives in. We're on one level, the neshama, if you take it back to its source, it's achim lamakim. What do we mean achim lamakim? It's a complete brother, it's a colleague. It is mamash alakus. It's basically Hashem speaking to Himself. And I know, Hashem thinking to Himself. Hashem processing Himself. Is God self-aware? What do you think? You ever thought about this? The concept of awareness is... is <laughs> you think God is self-aware? How many people you know are self-aware? <laughs> it's not so simple to be self-aware, right? To really be self-aware. To be truly aware of self. The question is, is God self-aware? So God is self-aware, and that's the soul. The soul, basically, is God's self-awareness. That's the soul. In other words, you have to think here in very abstract, you have to think here in abstract, we have to learn how to think in very abstract ways. The soul, we look at a soul, you know, we look at a tissue box, and we look at a soul. We just say the soul is spiritual. But we have to stop seeing the soul really as a thing. And you have to be able to understand the soul in its most pristine form. What is a soul in its most pristine form? The soul in his most pristine form is the gilui of Hashem to himself. So it's already not atzmos, it's not the midos, but it's the way the midos are expressed through oisus amachshava, that is the energy we call an ashama. Now what does that mean about our identity? What does that mean about our identity? It means about our identity that if you're looking what your soul is, what is it really? What is your soul in its deepest space? What is that neshama? We say in Hashem is Elikus, it's divine. So what does it mean? Before Atta Barasa, there's Elikai Neshama Shinasata Bitahirihi. Afterwards is Barasa. You don't say, Lechayri should say, the Balatanya says this elsewhere. Elikai Neshama Shinasata Bitahirihi. Barasa. After you create it, then it can be pure. It can be pure before you created it. Right? First say, Atta Barasa. Then tell me, and this, wow, what a pure thing. No. Before Barasa. Before it was created, it was something else. It was Tahira. And it remains that. In addition to that, the soul has another layer. Atta Barasa, you created it. Ati As we'll continue here. But it starts off with Tahira. The Neshama starts off Mamish with Ayin. The Neshama is basically pure Lakus. It's the Gili of Akadish Baruchu to Akadish Baruchu. That is the Neshama. Like Oisis HaMachshava to the Midas. So to paraphrase something you said before, you said the Osios of Machshava, the Rebosh with, 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 with which God experienced Himself, are those very same Osios with which He uses for His scholars? Those are the Osios, yeah. Those the are the Osios of the scholars are the same Osios. Yeah. The self-awareness of Atzilis, that's the uptouch of an Hashama. God's self-awareness is already a soul. So it's already not God. Because God Himself is beyond identity. It's also not even the identity. It's the self-awareness of the identity. That's what the soul captures. But the question, if God is aware of Himself, isn't that limiting God? 
Depends how you're defining it's limiting. It's it's, it's, it's it's the process of, of that's what he says of, of, of his galus of atzmos. He himself is lav in mikolim in Balatanya says somewhere it's half of a fella. This okay needs Hezbi. We'll talk next time. The Gemara in Erevin has a huge machlokes. It says two and a half years. Beishami and Basil had an argument. What was that? It's a classic Jewish argument. Noyach loyla adam shenivro noyach loyla adam shaloy nivro. Would have it been easier not to be quit? Okay, now I ask you, two and a half years you argue about this? Ask anybody, would it have been easier not to be created to be created? Gans Pashat, everybody knows. <laughs> ask anybody. The first Rashi in Chumash, I told you once, there was no need. Of course, Noyach, what was it? It's easy, life is easy. Well, it was two and a half years, Nimnu Vagamru, they finally took a vote. Okay, wonderful, wonderful news. This is mamish like Chachamim sitting for two and a half years. Why don't you argue maybe how to fix some problems? No, they're arguing if it's easier to be created, not to be And what are the ramifications of this argument anyway? What are we going to do now? It's like Eli Wiesel used to say that in the Warsaw Ghetto, they decided to take Hashem to a Dintaira for the Holocaust. So they brought three rabbis and they summoned the Rebbeinu Shalom to Dintaira for what he's doing to the Jewish people and for hours and hours and hours. And finally the verdict was, God is guilty. And then somebody said, Mincha. <laughs> so, so for two and a half years you're going to argue, as though you have a choice, exactly. Mincha, it's time for Mincha anyway. Actually, Shachris. The Alter Rebbe Tainas, he says, the argument was, what's the purpose of life? Every person has a state of loy nivra, and every person has a state of nivra. The neshama, in its original pristine source, is tahira. It's beyond nivra. It's alakus. Then there is the neshama as it assumes identity. That's the soul that we could be more aware of. Identity. I. We call it I. The soul in its source doesn't have an I. Not because it doesn't have an I. It's the divine I. It's the, the, it's the divine I expressing itself. Then the neshama assumes a separate I in its own, in its own vision. One shit is The right thing for the person is to go to the state of much more than nivra. And then the other opinion is no. The loin nivra and nivra are all in the person himself. It's two ways how to define your identity. It should it be as a loin nivra or should it be as a nivra? How should we hate? That's the it's everything, everything. I just wanted to say that it, 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 isn't the starting point that anything we'll discuss here is really a reduction? Because there's no way you talk about the. the of course that's why the first you said he said is we don't talk about atzmas we talk about his galus we talk about his galus now you may ask what does what does a jew get from knowing this like so as a pilpul in, in such sugis and teres anister, it's like, you know, has to dover. What's uh, this? That's an important question. So you'll see that this mimer he's building up to an idea that becomes a fundamental yisoid in how to understand 
the whole structure of Yiddishkeit, as we shall see. So don't think that this is just abstract, uh, abstract information. Even though even the abstract information is like, but it has tremendous ramifications of how we understand what life is, what Avodas Hashem is. As we say every morning in brachas, as I mentioned, right in the morning when we wake up, Elikai, Neshama Shenasata Bi, Tahirihi, Ata Varasa, Ata Yitzarta, Ata Nafachta Bi, Vata Meshamra Bekirbi. Literally, the translation is, it's very powerful words. In fact, in the Zman of the Gemara, Moida'ani is not mentioned in Chazal, you know, right? Moida'ani was added later. Why? The Gemara says in Brachas, when a person wakes up, what does he say? That's what they would say right when they woke up. They didn't do Moida'ani. Why didn't they do Moida'ani? Because, this is interesting, in the time of the Chazal, the sleep, they felt, a lot of people when they woke up, that their hands were, they knew what happened with their hands while they were sleeping. So even before anything, they could mention Hashem's name. Moida'ani is one of the only times we will not mention Hashem's name. Why don't you mention Hashem's name? Because since the hands were not washed yet, Moida'ani you say before Natilis Yadayim. So therefore you don't want to mention Hashem's name in the Matzav of Tumah, until you do Natilis Yadayim. After Natilis Yadayim, we say, Lekai Neshama Shanasata Bitahayrihi, later. There's those who say in Shul, and those who say in the house, right, when they wake up, after Natilis Yadayim. But in this Man Hashas, they felt they could be careful with their hands, so therefore they would say Lekai Neshama right when they woke up, they didn't say Moida'ani. So it was the first thing you say. By us, it's not Mamish, the first thing, it's after. What do these words mean? Literally it means, God, my God, the soul that you imbued into me is pure. Tahir is pure. You created it. You formed it. And you blew it into me. And you guard it within me, etc. Ask the Balatanya in different Maimorim. It should have said, Elekai, Neshama Shanasata Bi, Atabarasa. Before describing it's pure, say that you created it. You created it, and then tell me what it looks like. It's pure. It's not pure before you created it. And then It's not pure before you created it. There's nothing there. First you say it's pure, and then you say you created it. The pshat is that tahirihi is before atabarasa. Before the neshamas and the pchina of barasa, it's tahira. What does that mean? It's pure before you created it. Because the neshama doesn't begin as a creation. The neshama begins as a chelek, a leka. So it's not creation. That's the difference between the neshama and everything else in the world. Everything else in the world is a gather of ata barasa. You created it. The neshama is not. The neshama is a lakus. It's divine. It's not part of the bri, it's part of the boire not part of creation, it's so to speak, the boire, exactly. It's a whole different type of reality. That's why the neshama's antennas are so sensitive. Because the neshama is not part of creation. The neshama is a realm of creator. It's a whole different p'china. That's the base shchinte, no? Yeah. That's where it came from. Yeah. So the base shchinte, yeah. So the first thing, neshama shenasata be tohoiri. It's pure. And what do we mean to in Aramaic? Tahiru is light. 
Tahir means also not pure. It's bright, it's luminescent. It's part of the Oyrein Saif. It's tired, it's full of light. When you imagine your soul, when you imagine yourself, you have to be able to close your eyes and see yourself as pure, infinite light. That's how you have to see yourself. Pure, infinite light. It's not a chalik of the Bria, it's a chalik of the Boire. Now there's stage B, this version 2.0 of the soul. Ata barasa, ata yitzarta. Now it's a whole other process. The neshama ultimately also becomes a nivra, becomes a created being. But that's really what the neshama morphs into. The what the neshama is in its origin is higher than a nivra. It's a chelik of boyer, chelik alekamima. And essentially, just to put it in context, this is what emuna means. This is what Amuna, maybe this belongs in the Amuna Shiurim, but uh, since it's the Sugida Skinan Bay, so I'll mention it here. Many people make a mistake, I mean, I spoke about this in a few of the Shiurim, that Amuna means stupidity. The more stupid, the more Amuna. The less stupid, the less Amuna. In other words, Amuna means what they like to call in English blind faith. The more blind, the more faith. If you're completely blind, a lot of faith. If you open your eyes, the faith is over. You know, as long as you close your eyes, so it's a sell me the Brooklyn Bridge, sell me the Williamsburg Bridge, with the George Washington, with the Tappan Z, it goes on to hate. The moment you open your eyes, it's all over. That type of amunna is the weakest form of conviction that's possible. You know it's a Baba Misa. The one who told it to you knows it's a Baba Misa. Everyone is busy telling you that you have to believe Baba Misa's, and that's how you're going to get Elam Haba. Woe if that is your God. Woe if that is your Judaism. Woe unto you if that is your level of conviction. Where it can't stand up to any scrutiny, to any investigation, to any logic. It's all over. The moment you start wondering, this is already heresy, you're going straight to Gehenna. Of course, such a person, if he would have grown up in a nice Muslim home in Iraq, who he would have been exactly on the same level like he is now. Because there's nothing that's based, he's not even looking for truth. On the contrary, in his distorted mind, truth is the greatest contradiction to Amuna, And that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. It's almost like if God himself would come down and say, no, 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 no. What you believe about me is not who I am. They would tell God, you're an Apicardus. <laughs> Get out. Don't confuse our Judaism. We don't care who you are. We have our way of talking about you. It doesn't work, you can leave. It's fine. We have our way. We have our tradition. We have our Messiah. We don't go away from our Messiah. Even if God comes, it's not an issue. <laughs> it, it, it almost sounds like that in some situations. Like, I don't care for truth. Yeah? Somebody once asked somebody, he says, tell me, if you had to choose between God and truth, who would you choose? The man said, of course, God, what's the question? And he didn't realize how pathetic that is. If God is not synonymous with truth, it's worth nothing. It's not worth the piece, it's not worth, a a tissue is worth more than it. At least a tissue is not a lie. A tissue is a good thing, you you wipe your nose with it. (laughs) It has some use. A God that's not synonymous with truth, it's a joke, it's it's, it's a joke within jokes within jokes. So Emunah has nothing to do with the concept of being primitive. 
of, uh, of being blind. People say, uh, I believe blindly. Don't be blind and stop believing. Who asked you? It's not what Amunah is. Amunah means conviction, certainty. So what is the real concept of Amunah? The real concept of Amunah is not inferior to logic. It transcends logic. What does it have to do? It has to do with Neshama Shanasata be Tahirihi behind Atabarasa. You see, the Isaidus of Yiddishkeit, the Jews didn't accept because they were blind. On the contrary, there's no religion in the world that encourages the use of the mind as much as Judaism. You can't expect, the whole culture of Talmud Bavli is you have to use your mind. So do you think it makes sense to tell people, use your mind infinitely, don't stop using your mind? But then when it comes to the isoidus of everything of Yiddishkeit, suddenly there's no mind anymore. It doesn't work that way. If you have a religion that says don't think, fine. So religion says don't think. If you have a religion that encourages people to use their minds nonstop, which Yiddishkeit does, it sees the mind as, as a tremendous gift of Hashem that's there to be used. Suddenly when it comes to the isoidus of Yadus, you say there's no mind anymore. Nasev what does Nasev Anishma mean? Nasev Anishma means we will do. Nasev Anishma doesn't mean blind faith. Nasev Anishma means we will do. Right? Even before we understand the reason for it. On the contrary. When did the Jews say Nasev Anishma? There were ten Makas. They went out of Mitzrayim. They experienced Kriyas Yamsov. They were standing at the mountain. And after Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsov, Moshe offered them the Torah. And they said... We don't have to know what it says in the Torah. Nasev and Nishma, we're ready to accept it. We want a relationship with Hashem. On the contrary, it was an extremely... Uh, I'll give an exa- a very simple example so you'll understand. Let's say you have a, uh, a personal trainer, right? The personal trainer saved your life. You were overweight, you were obese, you had high cholesterol, high blood pressure, you felt horrible... You were, you were on the verge of your death. You went up a flight of stairs. You couldn't breathe. V'chuli, v'chuli. And the personal trainer, Mama, she saved you, turned around your life, and he's been working with you for 15 years. And after 15 years, you feel like uh, you feel like a mensch. You feel great. You feel awesome. And one day, your personal trainer comes to you, and he gives you an exercise to do. He says, okay, I want you for the next hour to do this and this. I want you to move your thumb, I don't know, uh, like this uh, 9,000 times. What would you do? If you trust him, he's a personal trainer, you know how brilliant he was, you know how well he knows your body. So you might say, why? What's the point of this? I'm not in the mood. So he'll say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. You'll probably listen to him and you'll do it, even though you may not understand how it works, you may not understand the benefit, you may not understand why he wants you to do it, and you may not be in the mood of it. I mean, it may be a good idea. A doctor gives you a prescription, Yeah? And you go to the pharmacy and you take your prescription and it's very, very bitter. You're not in the mood, nor do you understand how this medicine is going to get rid of the infection. But you do it, yeah? Why do you do it? Why do you do it? Because you're an idiot? Does it make sense to follow the doctor's prescription even though you don't understand? It makes sense. Why? Why? Why do you trust the doctor? He knows more than you. You have a history with him. He always helped you, right? A lot of people go to him. He has a good reputation. He helped you. He helped your wife. He helped your kids. He's a good doctor. But now let me ask you something. Somebody walks over in the street to you and sees that you're sneezing, okay? 
and he says, here, go get this prescription and take it three times a day. You'd follow him. No. And if you do follow him, you're a shaita. And if you say, why should I follow you? And he'll tell you, emuna. Nasa v'nishma. Meflektish kenekashis. No, excuse me. Meflektish kenekashis, when I know somebody, right, is a good doctor. He's helped me, and he's here for me. But some guy in the street I meet, meflekt yeh kashis. kashis. If I take you out of Mitzrayim, I liberate you from slavery, I split the sea for you, and I save you, and I show you this type of love, and then I say, I want a covenant with you, and you say, you know what, I'm in. I'm in, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me all the details, you don't have to tell me exactly what the mitzvahs are, I'm in. That was Nasev and Ishma. You're typhus. But still, the, the mashal with the doctor, there's an area that it is blind over there, because you don't really know what he's giving you. Right, so but there is a place after Yedia that comes in okay. Muna that you don't know something. Ein chenami, but it's not miyusad on blindness. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Part of Imuna is the area that we don't really understand. Right. Ein chenami. You're right. And I'm comfortable, the doc, and if I cared, let's say you tell the doctor, I don't take medicine without understanding how it works. He says, no problem, go to medical school. It just might take you 12 years, and by that time you'll probably be dead if you don't get rid of this infection. So it's Kedai to take the antibiotic, and then go study. Right? So you're going to tell a person, you need to be healthy, you need to be alive to be able to study. So therefore, ah, that itself means, if you're going to wait till you understand everything, your soul also needs medicine. <laughs> it's not Kedai to wait, and because Fakert, if you'll take the medicine, you'll be able to be in a better position to understand. How does that stem with the Madras or Marshall, whatever it is? When Florsham um, created the world, he went to each nation, he went to Asaf, and he said, What's in it? He yeah. said, Ritzicho, he says, No, it's not for me. Yeah. Then he went to the Bnei Sal, he said, Nasser Benishma, before the world was created, before before all these uh, history that you're talking about. No, I'll, I'll peep shot by Harsina, he came. Isn't that Marshall before? No, no. Before, is that the way they tell it uh, in, in the Shiva? No. I don't think so. Before Hashem created the world? No, no, no. Before Hashem Before Hashem Before Hashem Before Hashem In other words, the Jews said, the Jews said, our relationship with God is not when, going to be conditional. Why did they say, I don't want Ritzivah? Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll do it What? But before the, he, crea- he created the world. No, no, no. No? No, no, it says, Echzir al-Kalum of Elosh. Echzir al-Kalum of but even when they said Naisib and Ishma, it seems like it was it was still weak that emunah. Oh, because in Shilpurim, it took years. Okay, that was another union of no, Kafalayim. Okay, okay, I'm saying even there. Yeah, that was a whole other union of Kafalayim. What Kafalayim means, yeah. It was, it was still weak. That's why, yeah. The Gemara, when the Mishnah speaks about Kabbalah's oil, Kabbalah's oil malchus shamayim. What does Kabbalah's oil malchus shamayim mean? People quote the word Kabbalah's oil, but they miss the last two words. Except the yoke. The yoke of who? Of malchus shamayim. If I come with you, I take a washing machine, I put it on one shoulder, I take another washing machine, I put another shoulder, and I say, walk the rest of your life with two washing machines. You say, you're crazy? I say, yeah, Kabbalah's oil. A yid carries a yoke. Kabbalah soil, a yid carries a yoke. That's exactly what it sounds like. Sometimes parents or teachers tell a child to do something, 
Children are smart. They say it doesn't make sense. It's a foolish thing. It's corrupt. It's unjust. What do you tell the child? Kabbalah's oil. We don't ask any questions. We accept the yoke. What do they accomplish by this? The child learns that Kabbalah's oil means any corruption, any stupidity. If somebody's in a bad mood or in a, having a bad day or a bad temper, their excuse to cover up for not thinking and for doing something stupid is Kabbalah's oil. We take a precious concept of Judaism and we make it hated by the person. Whenever he hears now the word Kabbalah soil, he shrinks. He feels it's synonymous with abuse because it was used in an abusive way. Instead of saying, you know, I'm having a bad day, I'm sorry. We use beautiful words, Kabbalah soil. Kabbalah soil has two words, Malchus Shamayim. What's that Malchus Shamayim? Malchus Shamayim means... If a child appreciates the fact that God created him and God loves him unconditionally and God wants him to live the most successful, happiest, fulfilled life and he gives him prescriptions. So even if I'm not in the mood of doing what my personal trainer wants me to do or my doctor wants me to do or I may not understand exactly how it works, I will happily embrace the yoke. Why? Because this yoke is the best thing for me to do. The stupidest thing for me to do is say, I don't do things if I don't understand them fully, and I'm not in the mood. If the only time you would come to a shear, you would go to the gym, is when you're in the mood, you know what you would look like. The power of a person is that I could do things when I'm not in the mood. So what? You're not in the mood. You don't want to be limited. Kabbalah soil frees you. It frees you from having to know everything and having always to be in the mood. But it's not... It's not an idea of abuse, of crushing a person. Fakert. It's to bring out the greatness of a person. The best of a person. Yeah. Somebody once asked an interesting question. He said, you know, there's two types of uh, relationships. People go to prison and they have a prison warden. And the prison warden whips them into shape. You don't show up on time, you go to solitary confinement. He really whips them into shape. You're in prison for 15 years, Khalila. You go out of prison. Will you ever, you'll call up the prison warden before Rosh Hashanah and say, I just wanted to call you which you're never going to mention his name on your lips. And when you do mention him, it's going to come with a few titles that are not so complimentary. The same thing happens in the army. People go to the army and they have a commander who puts you in a boot camp. And if you don't salute the right way, it's 150 push ups. And if you don't show up for training, yeah, he'll take away supper from you. And you leave the army, and you'll always talk about your commander, and you're going to call him up once a year to wish him happy Hanukkah and a good year. Why? They both tortured you. The answer is the prison warden tortured you in order to torture you. And the commander in your platoon challenged you in order to make you a man, to make you a soldier. They both tortured you. They both put you through difficult situations. One wanted to destroy you. He wanted you should feel like a prisoner, a shmata. And one wanting to bring out your greatness. And there's no greatness that is created without tremendous challenge and without stimulation and without difficult moments. There's no difficulty. It's a whole different experience. Kabbalah's El Malchus Shamayim is there to enhance you. It's there to turn you into the greatest possible person. It's not there to crush you and destroy you. It's a whole different concept. That's why you can't talk about Kabbalah's El if you don't first talk about God. If you don't explain people what God is, what Torah is, what mitzvahs is, it becomes worthless. People think Abolah means the more pressure, the better. 
the more terror, the better. And the more you feel horrible, the better a Jew you are. Some people think that they have this idea that every agmas nefesh you have is an achas ruach for Hashem. What a horrible statement to tell people. Every time you suffer, God smiles. What a beautiful thing. It's a way of legalizing suffering. The more I make you suffer, the more schar you can have in Olam Haba. I could abuse you, can abuse your family, I could torture you. And remember, every time you say, Ay, this is horrible, more Olam Haba. And there's nobody here to prove it, so it works. How do you know there's no more Olam Haba? This is a horrible thing. The more you suffer, the happier God is. And then a second later you have to say, Vahaftas Hashem You should love God. This one who smiles every time you suffer. And for every suffering, every krech's more Olam Haba. Come on. Yeah? You, can, you can't create normal people like Why this. Why do you think everything is out of Egypt? Since we suffered so much in Egypt. No, so that's why we think. Oh, you mean because he threw us into Egypt? Yeah. Well, what do you mean? I mean, we went down to Egypt, but Paro is the one who enslaved the Jewish people. I mean, well, to, we, we lived in Poland, but it was the German... Oh, now it's time to take you out? It doesn't make sense, logical sense. What doesn't make sense? I can't put us there in the first place, you're saying. Well, he, you mean... Yeah, thank you, thank you for telling us out. But uh, it would have been nice if you didn't put us there in the first he place. Did it, he did it, he did it. One day, fine. When the, the, you, you mean he told Yaakov to go down there? Yeah, but the, 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 the genocide... But the genocide of, of the Jewish people was para, I mean. Okay, now you're asking the question of why God allows there to be suffering in the world. That's a good question. That's beyond the confinements of this year. Right, okay. Fine, you're asking a good question. Why does God? Why does a good God allow suffering in the world? Fine, that's a wonderful question. They're in Okay, fine, to purify them. But the point is, the point is to tell people that the more I abuse you, the more you should be happy. Because you go to Menachas Ruach Lamaila, it's not a fear thing to say. Because you put people in such a prison, they're not allowed to protest against any torture. Because every time they're tortured, it's, a, it's more, more Leviosin and Elam Haba. And IFS, they're a part What? Those who do it, they're real part Now. Right, Pyro, you're saying Pyro was better. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay. There's a lot of issues coming out here, you understand, yeah? Yeah, Pyro said, I don't know God. I'm the boss. You're saying when people say, it's not even me, I'm just working for Hashem. I'm working for Hashem, so that's why I put your house on fire, because I work for Hashem. Okay. So, you're in a safe place. This is not a safe place? Okay. What what makes you not feel safe over here? <laughs> what? Huh? The camera's on me, don't worry. The camera's only on me. I'm the only villain in this room. Nobody else is. The camera's only on me. No, it doesn't get turned around anywhere. 
doesn't even show him or him. And these two are anyway off the hook because they're the uh, inzida. This is Baruch Hashem. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. So, what's the nekuda? So, what is a muna? What is a muna? What is really a muna? A muna never competes with seichel. A muna is something that's deeper than seichel. It's neshama shenasata be tahirehi before ata barasa. In the world of barasa, that's where intellect has to play a role. You live in the world, and now you wonder where did this world come from? Who created the world? Who is responsible? for every detail and nuance of the design of the entire universe and all of its details. So with your mind, you come to an awareness that there's a creator, there's a soul behind creation. There's a consciousness in creation. That's Seichel. Emuna is, the Neshama is part of the Bayre. Since the Neshama is part of the Bayre, the Neshama experiences the creator like you experience yourself. How do you know that you exist? How do you know that you exist? I'm going to prove to you that you don't exist, okay? So, okay, I'm going to prove to you that you don't exist, okay? So I'll prove it to you. And then you're going to go away from the show and say, oh my God, I don't exist. So you're going to come home and you're going to tell your wife, I don't exist. You obviously say, I always said that. <laughs> Thank God the rabbi proved it to you. So now you're going to walk around and say, can anybody prove to me that I exist? And somebody is going to answer and slug up my proofs. You're going to say, ah, Baruch Hashem, I feel I exist now. This usually doesn't happen. Why doesn't that happen? Because the feeling that you exist is not something that's subjected to questions or answers. Even if I ask you a question on your existence, it's not going to make you feel you exist less, unless you have other issues. But if you don't have other issues, you know that you exist. How do you know? Because of Saswara. Because of Raya. Because it's you. You know that you exist. First of all, you see your existence, you feel your existence, you experience your existence. Can we say we're all crazy? Yes, we could say that. If you want, you can argue anything. But we all know what we exist. Are there questions in our existence? Trust me, a lot of questions. If you'll speak to quantum mechanics physicists, they'll prove to you that you don't exist. It's all imagination. Nothing exists. A cup doesn't exist. Once you leave your house, your house doesn't exist. You only, your house exists only when you're in it. The moment you leave your house, it doesn't exist. And when a tree falls in the forest and nobody is there, it doesn't make a sound either. It only makes a sound when you're there. Okay, they can explain this to you. But you're not going to question your existence and then you're going to say, oh, now you gave me an answer, now I know that I exist. That's what Emunah is. Emunah is, the Neshama is part of the Boide, it's not part of the Nivra. So the Neshama experiences the Creator like you experience yourself. A question doesn't weaken Emunah, and an answer doesn't strengthen Emunah. And that's the Yisoyed of Emunah. This is how the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe wants to find Emunah, al Piteris Hanister. Emunah is Azach, was Akasha machtes nitschwache, und Ateretz machtes nitschtarke. Probably the best definition for Amunna. A question doesn't weaken it, and an answer doesn't strengthen it. If Amunna would mean like people think, you believe, of course a question weakens it. I ask you a question, ooh, ooh, it's a good question. And then when I answer it, Baruch Hashem, I have an answer. But that's not Amunna, that's Seichel. That's a different path. The path of intellect. You ask a question, ooh, good question. You have an answer, good answer. Amunna means the soul is divine. The soul experiences the divine. You'll ask questions from Hein Bismarck. Ask me a thousand questions how I feel I exist. Good questions. It's not going to weaken your sense of existence. Emunah doesn't compete with intellect. 
Emuna transcends it. It doesn't need it. Intellect serves a tremendous role in life. It takes you to a certain place, till the door. And then Seichel says, I can't pass the door. Now I give it over to Emuna. Emuna comes from the Neshama of Tahira, which is before Atabaras. It's a different Pchina. Emuna is Lamayla Menasechel. It's not Lamata Menasechel. Never competes. Anybody who thinks Emuna means we don't believe in thinking doesn't understand what Emuna is. Thinking is a tremendous gift. And the mind has to be used. The mind can reach a certain point, And it can't go further. The mind can't experience God. The mind can prove that there is a God. What God is? How does the mind know? The mind doesn't understand Hashem. Emunah is the experience of the Neshama as a chelik That's a whole different thing. And that's why when it comes to Emunah, there's no difference between Jews. The greatest and the smallest have exactly the same Emunah because Emunah is a quality of the soul. It doesn't have even to do with observance. It's not like a Frum Jew has more Emunah and a secular Jew has less Emunah. That doesn't exist in the world of Emunah. In the world of Seichel, a person could know more, know less. A person can do more, learn, do less. A person can observe more, observe less. A person can learn more, learn less. In the world of a Echelikalikami Mal, it's all identical. There's no difference. It's the same concept as a Seichel of Similar, yeah. Because it's the nature of the soul. It may be hidden. He may not be in touch with his soul, but it's the nature of the soul. But the Frumju may also not be in touch with his soul. Sometimes much less. A person, there's no such a thing a person doesn't have a muna. A person may not be aware of his amuna. It's like, I, I, if there's music, my ears will hear it. I could plug my ears and not hear music. But if I just open up my ears, I'll hear the music. Amuna is a skill. It's a chush of the neshama. It's antennas that every soul has. If you cover the antennas, you plug your ear, you close, you blindfold your eyes, you won't see. But well, you don't have to. You don't have to create. The, you don't have to create it. Emuna is not created. There's no Jew in the world who has sveikus in Emuna, even Lenny. There's no Jew in the world who has sveikus in Emuna. You know why? You can't have sveikus in Emuna. Emuna is the color of your soul. Emuna is you have a chelik alekami mal. You can't have sveikus in Emuna. You can have sveikus in seichel, not in Emuna. You understand? People say I have sveikus in Emuna. You don't have sveikus in Emuna. No Jew ever had Sveikas in Amunah. No Jew will ever have Sveikas in Amunah. Sveikas in Amunah means doubts in Amunah. You can't have a doubt in your Amunah. Your soul is divine. There's no doubt there. You have Sveikas in processing the concepts intellectually. Good. No problem. But Amunah is never affected. And this is identical in every single Jew. There's no difference. So when, we grew up- when you look at a Jew and you say, as a goy, that's somebody who doesn't understand the Yisaitis of all of Pnimi Yisatayra. Anybody who even tasted, not 10%, anybody who even tasted one tip of Amtayra Sabal Shamtev would not look at a Jew and say, as a guy. You don't speak like that. It means you don't understand what a Jew is. For you, a Jew means a strimal. That's not what a Jew is. So why is Lubish such a significant thing? Where? <laughs> what does Lavush have to do with Amunna? I don't know what they taught you about red things. Levushim are fine. What's up to do with Amuna? Huh? An atheist Jew also has Amuna. His mind is saying he doesn't believe. His mind. Fakert, you want to see? Sometimes you see the biggest Amuna in atheist Jews. You know that, yeah? 
You know why? You'll see that atheist Jews are not regular atheists. Atheist Jews deny God with tremendous passion. You ever saw that? Okay, let's get to know them. You have a lot around you, don't worry. You don't have to go... Uh, some people with Levushim are also atheists. Jews who are atheists, you'll see, they deny God with religious fervor. Their atheism is a religious atheism. You know why? Because it's coming from their amuna. <laughs> you could love your wife, you can hate your wife. You can't ignore your wife. MS, anybody here knows how to ignore their wife? You could try for a day. It's not going to work. You can love your wife, you can hate your wife. You can love your husband, you can hate your You can't ignore your wife. It will eat up on your kishkas. Why? Because she's your wife. Jews can love God. Jews can hate God. Jews don't know how to ignore God. They never did. They don't know how to ignore Him. I was once at a lecture, I was talking about a Munna and Hashem. So somebody gave a scream, He doesn't exist! I said, so what are you getting so upset about something that doesn't exist? I never saw somebody get so angry about something that doesn't exist. Relax! It doesn't exist! Because it sits inside of him, so he has to deny it with tremendous passion. Jewish atheism is religious. In fact, all Jews are religious. Jews don't know how to be not religious. Some Jews are religious by being religious, and some Jews are religious by being anti-religious. But they're also religious. They're anti-religious with religious fervor, the same passion. And sometimes they're more religious than the religious. Because their whole religion comes out in their anti-religion. You'll see Jewish liberals are unique type of liberals. Jewish atheists are unique type of atheists. The Rebbe was once talking about uh, the issues with the Arabs and this. So he said, as a Yidin haben a Amuna. Jews have a Koyach Amuna and Slamailam and Adas. They took that Koyach Amuna and instead of using it on Hashem, they used it on Arafat. They'll believe in them, even if it's not rational. They're destroying you. What are you giving him? He wants to blow you up with your wives and children. Amuna. He means well. He wants peace. They used the Koyach Amuna of a Jew. They used it on Arafat, on the Arabs. But it's the same Indian. It's this conviction that's unbelievably powerful. It's just you're playing the wrong song. Use Amunah for God, not for Arafat. And for, for Islamists who want to destroy you and your families. You have to use a little Seichel, not your Amunah over there. You're Typhus? You're not Typhus. That's fine. No. Call it stuck. I don't know, I don't know why you want to call it stuck. If he's a neshama, it's a chelik elikam mimal. Do you have to hear it to experience that you exist? Unless you, you, you'll erst exist. You'll erst exist. You're going to feel yourself like you never did, especially if you fall in a certain place. Exchanging the word emuna to das. No. No. Emuna is like when you see something. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I think I gave this example one of the shiurim. A Jew, a Jew is, uh, you'll see, people will read Sifri Chsidis, uh, especially like the Zidit Shoi of other Sifri Chsidis, and they'll always say, Chas v'sholem, to go with your Seichel. Only a mine, mune, mune. 
So people read this and they say, you see? You see, all these conversations are against Yiddishkeit. The main thing is a moon and not to think, not to think. So let me, let me give you an example. Your father is taking you to your chuppah. He takes you to your chuppah. They start singing and you're going to the chuppah. And you turn to your father and say, why are you holding me? Where are you? And you want to, I'm your father. You say, I'm not sure. Let's go do a DNA test. Let's test the DNA. Let's match it. Your father looks at you. He said, I don't understand. You're 21 years old. We gave birth to you. We raised you. We had mysterious nefesh for you. I paid every bill. I nurtured you. I sheltered you. I educated you. Everything. I bought now a house from going to support you in Kailu for the next 39 and a half years. For starters. I'm paying for your chasana. Me and my, your mother and I sacrificed your life. When you were three years old, there was an emergency. You had to be in a hospital for three months. I was there, Yoyman Valayla. You come to me now and you want a DNA match? When I'm taking you to your chuppah? You say, I'm not sure you're my father. Say, okay. Okay, let's go get a DNA match. So we go, we stop the chuppah, DNA, we, oh, I'm your father. Say, ah, Baruch Hashem. Now I can go to the chuppah with you. Now I know you're my father. You say, this kid has some issues. Why? Why? What's wrong? What's wrong is, I want to ask you a question. If you grew up with a father, especially, I'm not talking about a, fa- a father who was functional and loving and, and good and at least half normal. Let's not do 100% normal. Okay. At least 50% normal. Okay. And if you could be as normal as that with your kids, if you could make 50% say, you have a father, yeah? Yeah, I'm a father. So now I ask you, have a father, have a mother. If my mother goes, my father should not know the members, but I have a mother. So my mother goes and she tests DNA and she shows me and she says, look, I'm your mother. I proved it. It's going to be moist of something in my relationship with my mother. It's nothing. It, it, it doesn't add anything. I grew up with this woman. I know this woman from the moment in the womb and out of the womb. It's my mother. I know. Now you have proof. So it's like the guy who came out of a base Meshagoyim. He was in an institution for six years. And you have to get it settled that you're healthy. So the doctor said, we determined that you're healthy, you can go out. So he would walk in the street, he would stop people, and he would say, are you normal? They would say, yeah. He would say, prove it. They say, we don't have proof. He said, I have proof. <laughs> the doctor says, I'm normal. So you understand that I'm more normal than everybody else. I'm the only one who has documentation that I'm normal. Oy vavoy. To that normalcy, right? My mother has proved that she's my mother. Oy vavoy. That's how I know she's my mother from DNA. But what happens if you're an adopted kid? What happens if you don't have a father and mother? You're an adopted child. You're a tinik shenishba. You never knew your father and mother. And one day a woman comes over to you and says, Shalom Aleichem, Ich bin da mama. You say, excuse me, moi. She says, let's go do DNA. Ah, now the DNA is chashef. Now the DNA is everything. Now with DNA, you have proof she's your mother. You need it. You know why you need it? Because you never knew who she was. That's the difference of emuna and seichel. Seichel is like you'll prove it through DNA. You'll prove through DNA that God exists. You'll prove through DNA that Torah is Menashemayim. You'll prove all these things. Beautiful. That's if you're Tinik Shanishba. 
If you never grew up with God, if you never felt God, if you never experienced God, you need DNA. But Yidin, who lived with God every moment, they saw it, they experienced it. Now you're going to start sitting me and give me shiurim on emunah, basics of emunah, of God exists, how to prove. Come on! It's like my mother's going to come to me and prove to me she's my mother. Oy vavoy! But what if I didn't grow up with my mother? Yes, you need DNA. That's the difference, you understand? So it's not a stira. Emunah is not afraid of DNA. If my mother tells me, if my father tells me by the chuppah, you want to go get DNA? Go get DNA. But trust me, you don't need it. Say, oh, you're afraid. You're, I'm not afraid. It's not going to be moist if anything. If my father and mother prove to me that I'm their child, now finally I'm going to develop an emotion. <laughs> Imagine your mother comes to you with a, a letter a letter of DNA. She proves she's your mother. Now, oh, now finally you're my mother. It's not moist. Emun is azach, akasha, macht es nicht starker. You're not going to develop deeper feelings or conviction that she's your mother as a result. Not because you're afraid of it. You're not afraid. My mother's not afraid to get a DNA match. She knows what the answer is going to be. She's my mother. And Moon is never afraid of investigation. It doesn't need investigation. The soul experiences its mother. It experiences its father. But we don't have that always. Huh? We are not like adopted. We're adopted, yet. especially some of us. Yeah. You still have it, but it's completely not revealed. So you have to start. You search. It's there, and you'll get there also. But there's a search. Now you can't tell somebody. Who do you need it? Get it out. But this kid doesn't know anything about his father, about his mother. Show him bechlal that there's a relationship. There's a connection that exists. That's why people think there's a big fight between it's not. If you understand the Oymekainyan, it's two beautiful concepts, beautiful experiences. And in the world of Amunna, it's not that you're afraid of Seichel. No parent is afraid of getting a DNA test. They know what the results are gonna be. It's just not gonna add anything. It's not gonna enhance your experience of fatherhood. If my child tells me, Tati, I hate you. And I wish you weren't my father. It ever happens to you? I wish somebody else was my tati. I say, wait, 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 wait. I go, I do a DNA. And I say, hey, look. And what do you think the child goes, oh, now I love you. You're the best thing in the world. Like my level, Big deal. It's not, we're not dealing with that level. You understand? It's not myself. It's not going It's a whole different. He experiences me. Fakert, he's upset at me because I'm his father. If I wouldn't be his father, he wouldn't be able to be upset. Your father, you could say you hate. In an orphanage, kids don't tell the people that they hate them because they don't have the security. When you're secure with somebody, you say, I hate you because you know they're not leaving you tomorrow. In an orphanage, kids don't say, I hate you because there's no security. You understand? So that's the tubchinus of the neshama. There's the neshama tahirihi. That's a munah. Then there's Atabarasa, that's already where Seichel comes in, that's a different Pchina. And both are true. In one world, there's Amunah, why? The soul sees it, the soul experiences it. It's like you have eyes, you see it. If he's going to ask me, somebody's going to prove to me that the Moshe is in Australia. So it can't be, I saw him by the Shear. You'll say, no, Akasha, I'll prove to you that he's in Australia today. Is it going to weaken my awareness that he was here? No. And if somebody comes up with a teretz, say, oh, now it makes sense. 
It's a good kash, it's a good terech. I see him here. Unless I'm crazy, which may be, which may be. Huh? I could say I'm crazy, but if I, if I want to rely on my eyes, there's no question in the world that's going to make me doubt that he's here. It may be a great question. That's what a moon is. The soul sees, the soul experiences. So you have a question, good question. Do I have an answer? Are the other nisht? Are the other nisht? If it's real amuna, there's no question. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. You're right. For the Jew who saw God, who danced with Hashem every day, it's like really, you're not going to talk about DNA, intelligent design, evolution. <laughs> this we're going to prove it. Astronomy, cosmology, science, biology. Really, we're going to go to a biologist to prove that you're my father. Why well, I sit with my father all day? You're right. It's insulting. That's why they were very upset. They were very, very upset. There were those who wrote terrible about investigations and seichel. There was a famous argument between the Zidit and the Bnei Yisoscha. You're familiar? The Beherschel Zidit Shoiver, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Rattenberg's uh, Zayda, right? The Zidit Shoiver. You're familiar with him, yeah? Some of you grew up probably with these names, no? Huh? Not with the Titus. The Tzvihish of Zidichov. He was called Sar Beis Hazoy. He was one of the great Chachme from the big, uh, from the big daily Yisrael of his days, in the 1800s. The Herschel Zidichov. So he has a lot of Svarim. So he has a Sefer. It's called Sur Meirava Seitov. He goes out against everybody, including the, including the Rambam and the Chayvas Halavavis. Because all of them prove that there's a God. He says, what proof? What proof? It's disgusting. He says, imagine somebody takes you out of Egypt. He makes makas. He splits the sea. He gives you the Torah. He feeds you for 40 years. And then you look at him after 40 years and say, how do I know you exist? Oh, let me look at the stars. I'm going to study the stars and say you exist. He says, what's a chutzpah? That Jews are asking how you know God exists. So did it show, he says, I can't believe the Chayvah Salavav is such a chassid should write like this. Because Chayvah Salavav says you have to prove that Hashem exists and he gets into all the proofs. Chayvah Salavav is. Shara Yichud and Shara Abchina. He gets into all the proofs that Hashem exists. The Zidit Shoi against it. Even the Rambam is like, I can't understand. It's such a merid, it's disgusting, he says. So the Bnei Yisachar, you know the Bnei Yisachar was, yeah? Reb Tzvi Alemelech Shapiro of Dinov, who was a contemporary of the Didichaiver, and he wrote Hagos on the Sefer Sumer Rava Seitoiv. And he himself attacks philosophy constantly in Bnei Yisachar. Every month he can donishtik. Every month he attacks philosophy, right? But here he goes on the Zidichaiver, he says, Excuse moi. He says, this Yid, Hashem, he couldn't understand that some people don't have his experiences. They didn't have Kriyas Yamsu, didn't have Yitzhiz Musab. What do you want them to do? And he says, what did he expect Avram Avinu to do? What did the Zidit Shev expect Avram Avinu to do? He was by Terach. Terach said, there's no God, there's a Gechka. What did Avram Avinu do? Avram Avinu started to use his mind. He started to investigate. You're going to scream at Avram Avinu too? He says, there's many people who are just the same way. They don't know. They're starting to search. They start asking questions. What are you attacking them? You can't attack them. 
So he basically, he shows beautifully how the Dzidit Shreva was a holy Jew. So he couldn't understand. What, 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 what are you making, Lutzanis? It's like by the Chuppah. Your father had mysterious Nefesh for you for 20, 30 years, and now suddenly you want DNA. You want proof. Disgusting. Your mother kept you for three years in her bed because you didn't stop crying the whole night. And even after that, till you were 11, she went to you 20 times a night to give you a bottle. And then suddenly you're like, prove to me and my mother, let's look in the stars. <laughs> let's go to a scientist. But if you're, if you're not in that state... So every Yid has this, but it could be concealed. And when it could be concealed, it has to be Nizgala. Which question? Huh? No. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Now I understand why some people can't grasp the idea of the need of the a yid that has a fire to Hashem, he's like, what are you investigating? That's what is, right? I was struggling with some people that can't understand. Why don't but there's another reason. But there's another reason why people can't understand. You're being malamet schos. You're being malamet schos. It's important to remember there's another story happening. And that is because many people believe that emunah has to be insecure. That's a whole different problem. This emunah is not insecure. This Samuna is very secure. My mother is not afraid of getting a DNA match. She just doesn't need it, and I don't need it. You understand? I'm not, a real Amuna is not afraid of questions. If you're ever afraid of questions, there's a problem. Amuna doesn't need questions. Doesn't need answers. They have neshamas. Ungerishayidin, you think, don't have neshamas? They also have neshamas. It's not blind. Every Yid has a Neshama. A Baba, all your Babas that said to Hillel, and this, they had a Neshama. It wasn't Stam, they were blind. You understand? They were connected. Of course they were connected. They weren't blind people. You understand? But the big Maminim are not afraid of questions. The Rambam also was connected. He didn't ask questions because he wasn't connected. He wanted that the Seichel shouldn't block the Amunah. You understand? He didn't ask questions because he was not connected. The Rambam, the Chavis Alavavis, they didn't want the Seichel should block the Amunah. They wanted the Amunah should permeate the intellect also. It shouldn't be two worlds. In the world of Amunah, yeah? In the world of Seichel, I don't get it. It should all be one. It's Teufus. Anar. It could be concealed. It has to be Nizgala. Which question? Huh? No. Oh. Yeah, you're right. 
now I understand why some people can't grasp the idea of the need of the one of the children. Like you up with God all right. I can't understand why. The Bismillahmat's chos. The Bismillahmat's chos. The Bismillahmat's chos, huh? I see it. Ayid that has a fire to Hashem. He's like, what are you investigating? That's what is. Right? I was troubled by some people that can't understand why those But there's another reason. But there's another reason why people can't understand. <laughs> You're being Malamitzchus. You're being Malamitzchus. It's important to remember there's another story happening. And that is because many people believe that Amuna has to be insecure. That's a whole different problem. This Amuna is not insecure. This Amuna is very secure. My mother is not afraid of getting a DNA match. She just doesn't need it, and I don't need it. You understand? I'm not. A real emuna is not afraid of questions. If you're ever afraid of questions, is a problem. Emuna doesn't need questions. Doesn't need answers. They have neshamas. you think don't have neshamas? It's not blind. Every yid has a neshama. Ababa, all your babas that said to Hillim, and this, they had a neshama. It wasn't stam, they were blind. You understand? They were connected. Of course they were connected. They weren't blind people. You understand? But the big maminim are not afraid of questions. The Rambam also was connected. He didn't ask questions because he wasn't connected. He wanted that the seichel shouldn't block the amuna. You understand? He didn't ask questions because he was not connected. The Rambam, the Chavis Alavavis, they didn't want the seichel should block the amuna. They wanted the amuna should permeate the intellect also. It shouldn't be two worlds. In the world of amuna, yeah? In the world of seichel, I don't get it. It should all be one. Bistoifus. Anar. Ich will sein Anar. Das meint das. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did the Balshantiv mean? What did the People think the Balshantiv said, after everything, Ich will sein Anar. They think about says, I want to be a fool. Balshantiv says, I want, after all the Seichel, what I want is a Muna. Dveikos. I want to go inside the door. Yeah, not the Balshemtiv was a woman. I wasn't afraid of Seichel. Balshemtiv was a genius. You understand? Amun is not lower than Seichel. Amun is higher than Seichel. Amun is not inferior. That's the difference between Muslims, Christians, cults. What's the difference of a cult and a maimon? It's exactly the same thing. He has blind faith. The Jew has blind faith. Exactly the same thing. What's the difference? He's in a cult. He's in a cult. The difference is in a cult, they're afraid of questions. They will not allow you to sit with somebody who has questions. Why? Because he's going to put Sveikis into you. Exactly. On the other hand, the mission says, Dama Shatoshev. Apikaitis, no? You have to know what to answer. And what if the Apikaitis is inside? And what if the Apikaitis is inside of you? By saying you're not allowed to speak to an Apikaitis, what do you do? I'm asking you. What if the question is inside of you, not inside of him? That's the matzav today. Building a deeper If you don't learn how to talk to that part of you, what happens? You become. A, you are. You are. You just block it. So what do you help? You help somebody. You didn't help anybody. Why, why do people have the need to? Huh? The what? 
inside. If that because it's outside, he's on tape. He's inside. What Said that the Kreitz the Jews who didn't ask questions, they went to the fire. The, no. Everybody who tried to. Rabbi Yosef writes this that uh, that uh, the Jews in Spain, a lot of them converted to Christianity. Half, some say half of the Jews of Spain. In Germany and France, they went on Messias Nefesh. So they wrote because in Spain they were all into philosophy. They were all into philosophy. In Germany, the Ashkenazim were not into philosophy. The Sephardic Jews in Spain were very into philosophy. That's a whole other Indian. In other words, what happened was their seichel was milam on their amuna. <laughs> By the Ashkenazim, their seichel was a milam on their amuna. That's what happened. They were saying we only use the seichel to come to them. Fakert. Amuna is beyond seichel. What happened is they got caught up in the whole world of philosophy. They got caught up. How could they get caught up in huh? the truth? What? What levusha? You think a Jew who wears a suit and a Jew who wears a kapot is different levels of amuna? Mm-hmm. That's what they taught you? I don't know what that means. A lavush may be a beautiful thing. Because if you don't follow then you don't believe. They don't understand what amuna is. Amuna is not, a, is not an union of... Amuna is not something you do or you don't do. A yid has amuna. Every Jew. Every Jew has amuna. This is the aside of the whole Shamtav. Somebody who doesn't understand is the whole Yisoyed of the Balshamtiv is missing. It's not the it's, it's Yisoyed of Yiddishkeit. Balshamtiv explained it. Every Jew has a Muna. Is there anything to it? The, the Gemara says in Masech Shabbos Tzadik Zayin. Moshe said, V'hein lo yaminuli. So Hashem told him, Yidna ma'minim b'nei ma'minim. A Gemara in Shabbos. It's not a Chesidosh Sefer. Ma'minim b'nei ma'minim. Huh? Is there anything to the Levish at all? Which Levish? If it's is the Levish. Yeah, it's a nice thing, but what's up with the moon? Just the uniform? What? Just a nice thing. Just ask. Which lavush? Rabbi, Rabbi, can we all show up tomorrow in t-shirts and shorts? Hello. I will This class is brought to you by theyeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.